First Timothy in chapter number one, and uh, we are looking at this book, and we saw in our beginning of our outline how to build an effective church, which is chapters one through three. Chapter one, Paul addresses the church and its doctrine. We looked at verses one and two, which is the letter of Paul considered. Verse three and four, the loss of truth considered, how there is false teaching getting in. And then the law of God considered in verses 5 through 11. And Paul talks about the importance of the law and how it showed us that we are sinners so we could get right. And then we see in verses 12 through 17, number 4, the love of Christ considered. The love of Christ considered. Let's read those verses and uh, then we'll pray and ask the Lord bless the message. But it says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Albeit for this cause... I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul has talked about the law, but now he looks at the gospel and the grace of God. We're going to pray, and then I've asked Autumn to uh, sing for us tonight. Her and Savannah will be heading back Wednesday, and so pray for their safety and uh, as they will head back to Scotland. Uh, but uh, Autumn, won't you go ahead and make your way? But let's pray and ask the Lord to bless the message. Father, we love you. Lord, thank you again for your blessings, and thank you for a good service this morning, and please bless tonight. Lord, may you be honored and glorified. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for our salvation tonight. And Lord, we just want to praise you tonight and thank you for all that you've done for us. And, and Lord, we just ask you, Lord, to bless the preaching of your word now. Lord, be with Autumn as she sings and thank you for her. And Lord, I just thank you for her family. And I pray you bless them as they travel back as well this week. Lord, now we love you. In your name I pray. Amen.
for the grace of God. Amen. First Timothy chapter number one. And uh, here we go. The love of Christ considered. Paul had just shared the law and its purpose, but thank the Lord for grace. You see Paul's gratitude in verses 12 to 14. Um, he says there, I, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul, as he talked about the law, Paul, as he talked about these uh, uh, unrighteous who are trying to destroy doctrine and things, and, um, and he looks back and, and he's thankful. He's thankful when he writes this and the fact that the Lord counted, enabled him and counted him faithful, putting him into the ministry. And, uh, and the reason why Paul was so thankful with a heart of gratitude is because he knew what his past was. He knew where he had been. Uh, it says there, uh, again, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, uh, counted me faithful. Uh, the Lord had examined Paul. The word counted means to study, to look at, and to deem uh, able to do. And, and uh, Paul had been examined by the Lord. And uh, when the Lord, we first meet Saul, he's not a good guy. When we first meet Saul, he's, he's, uh, we'll talk about it more in just a minute, but he was a persecutor of believers. When we first meet Saul, he, uh, he hated Christianity. Uh, he uh, spoke blasphemies. He had people arrested. There were widows because of Saul who had killed their husbands. He had imprisoned people. Yet God, when he looked at him, and he saw this zeal and this fire that uh, the apostle uh, Paul would have one day as Saul, uh, as, a, as a persecutor of believers. He knew that that same fire could be used for the glory of God. And he was examined and counted worthy. He was enabled. The Bible says that Christ Jesus had enabled him. Uh, God had equipped him. Uh, God had given him everything that he needed to serve in the ministry. Uh, he was engaged. Uh, he had uh, put putting me into the ministry. Uh, God not only called him, counted him worthy, and equipped him, but he put him into the ministry. He got him active, serving, and engaged in serving the Lord. And quite frankly, in this verse, Paul's excited about it. He's excited what God has done in his life. God had done some wonderful things. And the fact that he had examined him and enabled him and, 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 and engaged him, and, and he was excited about it, what God was doing. It was a thrill and an honor to be put into the ministry. I praise the Lord for the two that surrendered their life to the ministry this week. But God is not done calling people into the ministry. And, and let me tell you something, all right? Church, you need to get excited about the things of God. I mean, everybody left, you know, went Thursday night saying, as Brother Price has testified, wow, man, what singing, what a service, what excitement, what joy, what shouting, what praise the Lord. And I know personalities are different, and I, and I understand those things, but being excited about the work of the Lord should never change. We can be just excited today as we were Thursday, and we ought to be just, remember the day you got saved, how excited you were? I mean, you couldn't wait. I praise the Lord, you know, uh, when Wade got saved a couple weeks ago. You know, he, uh, uh, we, we, we talked about it. He accepted Christ. I got in my car, dropped him off at his house, came straight here to the church, went into the middle of the building, told Brother Price, I got to tell you something. And he goes, what's that? I said, well, Wade, I was with Wade. He goes, he already called me. I told Brother Price, man, how he got saved. 
Brother Elam, you know, I got out my phone and, and uh, I had to talk to Brother Elam about something. Before we started our conversation, I said, Brother Elam, I got to tell you something that happened today. He goes, is it about Wade? I said, yeah. He said, Wade's already called me. You know, Wade was on the phone telling people that he got saved. We watched this week when Elliot got saved. I watched him go off with his dad in the field and they prayed together. And, uh, you know, I, I, you can watch, you know, as you're giving an invitation, you kind of see get a gist for what's going on and, and you saw uh, him call for their mom Miss Tracy and she came out there and they hugged and embraced and they started rejoicing and then uh, he came up and, and he told everybody else he got saved and, and he started, started sharing it and every time that we had an opportunity to share something or a testimony Elliot would just thank the Lord for his salvation because he was excited about it remember when you got saved don't get over it and it's exciting to be in the ministry exciting you know I, I we had two called to the ministry this week to be to be preachers isn't that awesome that's exciting and you ought to be excited about that church you ought to be thrilled I don't know if they're going to be missionaries pastors I don't know God will direct their steps you know if, if brother uh, Davis would have walked in today and said I don't know God really blessed me and we became billionaires this week I doubt you would have said amen like you just did about those two young men. Right? I don't know if you're mad at me or conviction, but yes, right? I mean, you probably would have broke out in applause. Probably would have excited. Wow, praise the Lord, right? You know, and, and, and you know, people are just like tithe on a billion. Oh, yeah, right. You know, yeah, right. You'd be excited, right? Far greater things happened this week as a soul was saved and two men to surrender to the ministry. And we ought to rejoice in those things. And Paul said, I am I'm just overwhelmed. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord. He examined me. He has enabled me. He has engaged me in this. And I am excited and thankful to be involved in the ministry. You see, Paul's gratitude, and first of all, that in his present ministry in verse number 12. And then you see Paul's gratitude in his past malice. In verse number 13, he gives his testimony. Now he's thankful this is not what he, what he is. Uh, verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus who hath enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. He was active in the ministry. But verse 13, who was? And he looks back at what he used to be. Who was before a blasphemer. And a persecutor, an injurious, and I obtained mercy because they did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. You see him that he's thankful for his past malice. You see the malice that he expressed in verse number 13 in the first part there. He, he uh, again said he was a blasphemer. Understand, Paul, at that time, Saul was the enemy of Christ. He was the enemy of the church. He was the enemy of Christians. When Christians were walking down the road and someone said, they're Saul of Tarsus, they went the other way. If Christians were meeting together like we are tonight and Saul would have walked into that place, they knew something bad was about to happen. He was the enemy of Christ. He was the enemy of the church. He was in his Christians. 
I wrote down he was pernicious. He was a blasphemer. He was a persecutor. He was prideful. The word injurious there. He would do what he wanted to do, and he didn't care how it affected anyone else. Paul gives us testimony. Keep your finger right there. Just look back at this in Acts chapter number 22. Paul's given his testimony. And look at the kind of man that Paul was. In Acts chapter 22, in verse number 4, Paul shares about his testimony. And he says this, And I persecuted, look what he says, Acts 22 verse 4, And I persecuted this way unto the death. Saul had people put to death for the Christian faith. Binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Now Paul's just given his testimony and the Holy Spirit guides his words. But he had people put to death. He had people imprisoned. Men and women. Turn over a couple pages to Acts 26. And in verse number 9. Acts 26 and verse number 9. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. He would torture them and threaten them until they would blaspheme the cause of Christ. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. What we read here is that Paul, he did some terrible things. Paul did some awful things. And Paul looked back at the malice and the things that he had done. Paul looked back at all the, the wicked things. And remember whenever uh, 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 Ananias was told about Saul. Ananias was, are you sure? First time he walked into a church, the people were, whoa. It wasn't for Barnabas, right? He did wicked things to believers. He was an evil, evil man. The Holy Spirit allowed him to write these words. He was the chiefest of sinners. He did some terrible things. And he understood who he was. But in verse number 13 it says, Who was before? Praise God, that's what he used to be. But if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Don't let your past... Be the identity of who you are today. If you're saved, God forgave your past. You're a child of God. Go forward in the cause of Christ. But he said, before I was a blasphemer, before I was a persecutor, before I was injurious, but, amen. We saw the malice that he expressed, but at the end of verse 13 and 14, you see the mercy that he experienced. Isn't it great what God did? It says, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. He understood this, that his sin was forgiven. 
Praise God, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. His sin was forgiven, and his sin was forgotten. In verse number 14, And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Before, he was a blasphemer, persecutor, and injurious. Now, it's grace and faith and love. What a difference God makes in our life. The Apostle Paul would have to live his life, and he could not forget the things that he had done. They were there. I, I, I don't believe he ever forgot from other scriptures the stoning of Stephen. I don't think he ever forgot, as his testimony in the later part of the book of Acts, the things that he had done. But he also came to a point where he had to understand, where he had to understand this. He had to put away those things of the past. The devil, in other words, the devil would constantly come to Saul, now Paul, and whisper in his ears, but look what you did. Look what you did. And you know what? Satan was right. But Paul had to choose forgetting those things which are behind me. Amen. He had to choose to put them away and press toward the mark of the high calling of Christ. He had to choose to put those things away. All of us have reason for the old accuser to whisper in all of our ears. But look what you did. Look what, look what happened. And, but if you're saved, if you've asked God to forgive you, you have to put those things behind you and press forward for the cause of Christ. And it's all about faith and grace and love. God did that for him. When God forgives our sins, turn over uh, just over to a few pages to the right, to Hebrews chapter number 8. Hebrews chapter number 8. Look at verse number 12 in Hebrews chapter number 8. This is true for the writer of Hebrews, and it's true for us. When the Lord, this is the Lord's promise, Hebrews 8, verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins, and their iniquities will I remember no more. The devil would try to remind Paul of his failures. Paul had to choose to put away those things of the past. Paul would have to choose to remind himself that God had forgiven him. The devil, according to Revelation, is the accuser of the brethren to God. The devil loves to go before God and accuse the saints of God. He no doubt accused Saul and Paul. I guarantee he's whispered, I promise you, he's whispered in my ears and tried to remind me of my faults and my failures. I'd say he's done the same to Brother Joshua. I say he's done the same to Brother Fountain. I say he's done the same to my wife. I say he's done the same to you. We have to choose to say, no, I went to God. God's word is true. I have been forgiven. I, I, I have been cleansed. God has removed those sins. They're not on my account. 
and we run to God. And then we praise the Lord. And it makes us draw closer to him. You keep doing that, the devil will back away from you. I guarantee the devil's probably accused us before a holy God. But here's the great part when he does that. God says, what sins? Oh, come on. That's awesome. What sins? Because in the eyes of God, we have been justified. Amen? He only sees the righteousness of his son. You ought to be doing holy flip-flops right now. All right? That is a wonderful thing. A holy God doesn't see my sin. He only sees the righteousness of his son. I am going to heaven because I've been covered in his righteousness. The blood of Christ is removed and God has chosen to remember our sins and iniquities no more. Paul was so overwhelmed in this gratitude. You see Paul's gratitude. Then in verse 15 and 16, you see Paul's gospel. Paul's gospel. He says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Verse number 15 is one of the most glorious verses in the Bible, man. I mean, this is uh, all about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We all can claim this verse. I want you to see Paul's affirmation in verse number 15. This is a faithful saying. What he's about to share, the gospel, it really happened. The gospel's true. It's a fact. Now, he's writing to the church here, or Timothy's at Ephesus and trying to help the, uh, the, the church there and false doctrines creeping in. And there obviously must have been some that were even doubting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ of whether these things actually happened. Was there really a Jesus who died on the cross? Did he really rise from the grave? Is, it really, can, is his blood truly the payment for our sin? And Paul said this. He said, this is a faithful saying. This is a fact. Don't be afraid, Timothy. Don't be ashamed of this. The gospel is the truth. You see Paul's affirmation and you see Paul's acceptation. It says there again in verse number 15. It says, and worthy of all acceptation. Uh, what does that mean? Not only is it true, but you can trust it. You can believe it. You can stand on it. Not only is it true, but everyone needs to learn what it is so that they can accept it too. Aren't you glad you accepted the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Then you see Paul's attestation. In verse number 15, it says there again, worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You see an historical fact. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. There's something unique in this verse I just want to point out real quick. Every one of us in this auditorium, we were birthed into this world. We were conceived in this world. We were born into this world. Jesus, in this verse, came into this world. That word there, like no other being that's ever been in this world... He chose the time, he chose the place, he chose when he came to this world. He didn't begin in this world, he was already. He has always been. And he chose when to come to this world. You and I were born into this world, Jesus came to this world. That's a little thing, but that's exciting too, right? In historical fact, I think you see a humbling fact in verse number 15. To save sinners of whom I am chief. 
a humbling fact. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. We're all sinners. Christ left heaven for us. And this is where we have number four, Paul's application. I'm the chiefest of sinners. And I believe this is in the scriptures, and the Lord had Paul write this because if Paul was saying, if God can save me, he can save anyone. And I don't care what you've done. I don't care what a mess you've made out of your life. I don't care what path you have traveled down. If you run to the Lord, he can save you. He will save you. The, the penalty for our sins has been paid for. But we must choose to receive that gift by faith. I've used the illustration before, but there's a man by the name of George Wilson in the year 1830. George Wilson had committed a crime armed robbery here in the U.S. And he was convicted and sentenced to the death penalty. And President Andrew Jackson pardoned George Wilson in 1830. He gave him a pardon. The pardon was sent to the prison where George Wilson was supposed to be put to death. And George Wilson said he didn't want the pardon. So the man in charge of the prison said, well, we're going to put him to death. People heard of this and they began to protest and it went to court that the president has pardoned George Wilson it's a crime to put him to death it went all the way to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court ruled on the George Wilson case by saying this quote a pardon is a deed to the validity of which delivery is essential but delivering is not complete without acceptance. And George Wilson was put to death. Though he was pardoned, he would not accept the pardon. You and I, our sins have been covered. Our sins have been paid for. And we preach this week at camp, and I'll preach it here tonight in this congregation. It would be a shame to be sitting in church on Sunday night, hearing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and die and go to hell. You can be saved today. Put your pride aside and run to him tonight if you're lost today. You see, the penalty's been paid for. And Paul, he said, this is the application. He said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. But Christ died for me. You see Paul's apprehension in verse number 16. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. He talks about in verse number 16 the patience of God. He obtained mercy with all longsuffering. Most of us in this auditorium tonight, 
we ought to be thankful for the long-suffering of God. Because I didn't get saved the first time I heard the gospel. But I'm thankful that he's a long-suffering God. We ought to be thankful for the patience of God. To the believer tonight who knows better, to the believer tonight who knows what is right, to the believer tonight that is running the opposite way of what the Word of God says, you ought to be thankful for the long-suffering and the patience of God. We know He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In our eternal souls, He doesn't want us to go to hell, and He's patient, He's long-suffering with us. And to us as believers, don't mistake the mercy of God for the acceptance of God. That God has accepted your sin. And that God has compromised to your sin. He's just merciful. And may the goodness of the Lord lead us to repentance. But you see the patience of God and then you see a pattern of grace. That he might show forth all long-suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Paul said, what he did for me, he'll do for you. That's why I love that song, It Is No Secret What God Can Do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. All of us that are saved tonight, we ought to stop and be thankful for that God. We ought to be thankful for his long-suffering. How that God was patient with us. But what did God do in his patience? He continually reminded us of the gospel. He continually reminded us of his goodness. He continually spoke to our hearts. He let people into our life to point us back to the Lord. He brought people who knocked on our door. He brought people who, who at the workplace shared something with us. All of us have a testimony tonight of parents or friends or co-workers uh, or family members that continually just invested or just church members that knocked by, knocked on our door, but people pointed us to the Lord. Why did they do that? Because God had done it for them. May we as God's people do that and continue that same pattern with other people. Now by the time Paul gets to this point in verse number 16, he's excited. He is excited about what all God has done. He's excited about uh, what, what all God has, has accomplished in his life. And, uh, and, and you see this last thing, you see Paul's God in verse number 17. It says, now unto the king eternal. Unto the king eternal. The first thing he does, he talks about the greatness of God. And as we close tonight, let's just look at this verse and let's stop. And truly, church, let's meditate on this. Let's think about this. Don't just listen to a sermon. All right? Let's, let, are you, let's as, as the psalmist said, Selah. Stop and think about this. Whatever else is going on, it's all good. There's not even a storm outside. Isn't that awesome? No worries. God's going to take care of us. You see the greatness of God here. And number one, he is immutable. Now unto the king, eternal. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the omnipotent, 
He is the king. He is the ruler. There's none like him. And he doesn't change. He has been awesome in all eternity past. He is awesome today and he will be eternally awesome in the days ahead. He will never cease being great. He is the immutable. He is the king eternal. He's not only immutable, but he is immortal. There it says there, uh, now unto the king eternal, immortal. That word immortal, that, it means more than never going to die. It, it has a, a little bit more into it. Uh, I'll show it to you. Look back in Psalm 16. Psalm chapter 16. You can get the idea what this word is, all right? Psalm chapter number 16. Psalm 16 and verse number 9. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Psalm 16 verse 10. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. In our text when it says there unto the king eternal immortal. It's more than that he's not going to die. He will never corrupt. He will never decay. He'll, there'll never be that process at all with the Lord. Uh, you know, every once in a while, we go in that back room back there, and uh, we were getting ready for our school picnic, and uh, I went back there, and I found a cooler in the back. Cooler, cooler, I say cooler, that's the proper way, all right? And it had been used at our last home game for basketball. And apparently hadn't been emptied. When I opened that thing up, things were decaying. Things were corrupting. There were green spores growing. There was hot dogs in the bottom of it that hadn't changed their look at all think about that all right all right <laughs> yeah all right but everything else pack of buns in there gross even the pop cans had things growing on them as soon as i opened that whoo because the aroma we took it out. I don't know. Was that you, Cody? We had cleaned it with bleach. And, yeah, 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 right? It's disgusting, wasn't it? Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was gross. Literally, we threw it away, and then we just took bleach, poured it in there, scrubbed that thing out, because literally, it was all those things were naturally, it was corrupting. These bodies, they corrupt. They fall apart. I got these two flowers that I planted a couple years ago right in front. I can't grow things very well. But these two flowers, they're like my pride and joy. And they, they, they bloom, and they're only out for like a week, and they bloomed yesterday. I took a picture of it. Autumn, you took a picture of it. 
pretty flower, isn't it? Yellow with some red in it. It's beautiful. But just as much as it bloomed, it's going to start going away now. Things, they die, they corrupt, they fall apart. Your car, not going to last. That beautiful house you live in will one day be run over by a bulldozer. It falls apart. It corrupts. But God, never. There is no corruption. He will always be perfect, perfection, holiness for all of eternity. He is immutable. He is immortal. He is invisible. It says in that verse, now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible. Simply this. He's unseen. I've not seen him. You've not seen him. But one day, we will. And it amazing and a wonderful thing that whom we have not seen yet, we can be so much in love for. In a home that we've only been able to dream of, we're homesick for. But he's an invisible God, immortal God, immutable God, and he's infallible. Invisible, the only wise God. He is the perfection of wisdom. He is excellence. He knows everything. Paul served a great God. And Paul was excited about this great God because he was looking back at how thankful he was. How wretched a man that he was and he was headed towards hell. But thanks be unto God. He delivered him from those things. He placed him in the ministry. Not only did Paul get saved, but now he's able to tell others how to be saved. And this wicked man who once persecuted believers was now able to lead people to become believers. And he was sharing the truth and helping other people. And when he saw what God did for him, all he could do is say, I have a great God. Which should be the same of every one of us tonight. He is immutable, immortal, invisible, and infallible. He is a great God. You see, the greatness of God, and then I close with this, the glory of God. The only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This God deserves, church, our honor and our glory tonight. He receives our honor and our glory. We don't do it enough. He, receive, he deserves our honor and our glory. That word honor means to show him that reverence. We ought to want to lift his name up tonight. Glory, we ought to live our life to point people to how wonderful he is. Honor and glory. Honor and and glory. He's a great God. He deserves our honor and glory. Tonight, I want to look at you tonight and tell you this, that he's a great God, and I give him the honor and the glory that he's worthy of, and I love him tonight.
And I'm thankful for our great God. How he could, I know my past, I know my failures, I know my faults, but God is great. I know how many times I've given reason for the devil to accuse me, but to know that he has forgiven me of that and allows me and is counting me faithful, putting me into the ministry, I just, all I can do is say, I don't understand it, but thank you, God, for being a great God. He's perfect, he's holy, he's righteous, he's wonderful, he's beautiful. He's my savior, he's my friend, he's my counselor, he's my everything. And the reason why we don't get excited about him like we should is because we don't give him the reverence and glory that he's worthy of. And it's good for us to stop and consider it tonight. He's a great God. Wonderful God. Deserving of our honor and glory. Anyone else want to give him honor and glory tonight? Amen. Anyone else want to give him honor and glory? Christina? It's truth. Amen. It's true and faithful. Amen. Give him honor tonight. Give him glory. I'm not putting on a show. He's worthy of that. He's worthy of it. You all, every one of these kids that went up and got an award for shooting a BB gun. And they, they did a good job. This is God. Wow. Praise him tonight, man. Joshua. Amen. Never brings up our past. It's a great God. Jordan. He's a provider. He's a protector. Amen. Amen. Melissa. Amen. Amen. 
Mrs. Harris. Amen. His love, his mercy, his grace, and he is worthy. Amen. Brother Kuyper. Amen. Privilege to serve the Lord. Amen. Brother Bill. Right? God never does. He never brings our sins back up to us. He's forgiven and forgotten. Amen. Amen. Uh, yes, Kyrie. Amen. They're gone. Amen. Dylan. Good. Amen. Amen. Keep on being faithful, Dylan. Amen. What else? Good to praise him. Worthy. Worthy of praise. Father? Amen. Amen. Um. spend eternity praising. It's going to be awesome. And we're never going to run out of things to praise him for. Think about that, right? What an awesome thing. Anybody else? Praise him, give him glory. Yes, Ms. Davis. guys experienced the grace of God in their life and a pattern they followed in reaching other people. So, amen. Amen. Anybody else? Son. Amen. 
Amen. Anyone else? Anything? Hope? Amen. Amen. Ashley? says the only wise God he gives us wisdom tells us what to do guides us guides us yes. autumn amen goodness and his mercies are new every morning amen the great God Chad Don't let the devil use people's, talked about in Sunday school this morning, rejection or people's hurts to keep you from seeing the greatness of God. The devil likes to do that. All we can see is how someone hurt us or someone did this or someone did that. And we miss about how good God's been to us. Don't let the devil do that either. So the Lord is good. Let's stand together.